When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. There you go. That's enough. Maggie yeah, and Judd right now. That's plenty. That's really good stuff. Kenny, you're a yeah. champion, Kenny. Have a great weekend, Kenny. Right. Bye. Whatever. Yeah, see, Wild won last night. You should be happy. Just do your show, pal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're launching very awkward. Maggie and Judd. <laughs> We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Kicked out to the line. Dumba with it. Dumba carries in. His shot. Save. Rebound. Stall scores! We talked about it. It's not easy when you have a lead in the third and team comes in and gets two goals and then you just dig your shoes in and you come back and you win the game. So... As for that, that's that was really good. Thoughts on um, uh, Matt and uh, Suits as a pairing, Bruce? Yeah, I thought they were good tonight. I mean, if you look, I think Matt had seven or eight shots, uh, which is more than any defenseman's had in our team this year. I think if you look, uh, we had something like 18 shots from the back end, which is <laughs> is a, an awful lot for us. And uh, when you do that and you shoot it, you get opportunities in front Wait, of Wait, you called him <laughs> suits? I did it just for right. you guys. You, you are <laughs> such a backstabber. You called him you, hey, suits, my buddy suits. What do you think of suits? And then like 20 minutes later, filing a column for 1500ESPN.com, filleting Ryan Suter. Play the other one too. I did it on purpose. Chris, when, when Spurgeon does come back, is there a case to be made possibly to keep him and Ryan apart? That's all you need. Suits and Ryan. You won't call him Suter, but you'll call him Suits, and you'll hurt him like Ryan, he's your buddy, buddy Ryan. Suits, you rip him every day on the show, and now he's your guy. I hey, what do you think of putting Spurgeon and Rye guy back together? <laughs> hey. I did it because I knew you'd pull my question, and I couldn't help it. I thought I could call him Ryan, but I'm going to call him Suits. Suits. <laughs> This can be a new thing where if you're going to go to every, if the Wild are going to be this mediocre, uninteresting team, and they did win last night against a good team, oh. you're going to be like like oh. when Jimmy Kimmel sends, uh, who's his guy that he sends out? That's going to be you just to like get things into the press conference that we can play on the show I, the next day. I, honest to God, was thinking to myself, I could say Matt and Ryan, and then I thought, but Harrigan's going to pull my question because he always does, so I got to call him Suits. Hey, Suits, yes, yeah, Suits, but he's playing pretty well. Huh? What do you think? Oh, uh, I suits? love you, Harrigan. I oh. love the fact you pulled. It. You're unbelievable. <laughs> You're un- Maybe that we oh. should do this as a show, though. I like the way you look at it, Phil. Maybe we should come up with nicknames for guys that are just a little bit disparaging, but the coach would know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> hey, uh, How's that? Uh, Lazy Bones over there. You going to get him to go? <laughs> hey, uh, coach, you got an update on uh, Z-Man's back? How's, how's the Z-Man feeling? <laughs> this is hockey. Yeah. All you got to do is take a first or last name and stick a Y on it, and it's a nickname. <laughs> Broads. 
Suits. Do they call him Coivy? Ryle. Replace the U with a Mikey. Y? We we call we Mi- call Riley Mikey. Yeah. Uh yeah, Miko we'd have to come up with one for Stalzy, Zooks. Oh, this is easy. This uh, is I could work these in in legitimately every press conference and nobody would blank. Nobody hey, would think of I have, I have a question for you here on oh, on God. the Minnesota Wild. Yes. So cause... this it's I'll admit that the people who follow me on Twitter probably aren't the diehard hockey fans. Those are they follow you, they follow uh, Collar, they follow Russo. So I'm I'm pulling from a maybe a, a a biased or skewed audience that goes toward baseball or basketball or football. But I posted this last night. Because like my working theory all season has been, even they won last night, it's great. Uh, they moved out of last place in the division, congratulations. But they're just, without Zach Parisi, they're, they're just kind of a listless, toiling, out of the playoff picture, uninteresting team that feels like it's maybe gone beyond its window to, to do damage in the, in the playoffs. So I said, yeah. I, I posted this, curious to know, Minnesota sports fans, mm-hmm. aside from the Vikings, who are clearly the most popular team in town, mm-hmm. which team... Are you generally most interested in right now? So Vikings number one, Timberwolves and Twins were tied for number two at like thirty-two mm-hmm. percent. Uh, I said go for hoops or football, and that was twenty-five percent. Mm-hmm. And only fourteen percent said Wild. And I think the Wild should be keenly aware of that. Now this might be this is a a group of followers that it might not be raging diehard hockey fans in my right. timeline, but right. it feels like in a, in a very competitive sports market, in a race to get people's attention, yep. the wild continues to slip down. Now the arena is still going to, it's a great arena. There's still going to be enough fans. I'm not saying that well, yeah, they're just going to are... be tumbleweeds blowing through the X, but and those people love going. But so, so last night I took their, uh, their line chart. Okay. And this is why this team is just not that good. I took their line chart and I highlighted the guys that just aren't that good. All right. So, so their first line the whole is... whole thing is colored in highlighter. Would you... Their first line is, and I'll I'll do this slowly, Stahl, Niederreiter, Foligno. That's their first line. Marcus Foligno's not that good. He's a fourth-line guy. He's on the first line. Their second line, Koivu, Granlund, both good. Winnick. Daniel Winnick was brought to training camp on a tryout contract. Yeah. He's okay. He's not that good. Third line, Coyle, Zucker, Stewart. Chris Stewart's not that good. He is a fourth-line depth guy. Marcus Foligno and Chris Stewart would be unbelievable talents in 1986. The game's too fast for both of them now. Your fourth line, Cullen, who is 40 years old. So he was good at one time, but he's 40 years old. He's a room guy. He is is a room guy, and he is an exceptionally good guy to have on a really good team, which this is not. Zach Mitchell was recalled because he's a minor league guy who might score you some goals. He's not that good. Ennis, the guy they got from Buffalo, along with Foligno, has bounced from the first line to the third line to the fourth line. He also is not that good. He is maybe a slight improvement on Jordan Schrader. The point being, I just gave you three. For I gave you six names of forwards who are playing on a consistent basis who just aren't that good. Yeah, I mean, Pari- Parisi is the only guy coming back. Okay, there's nobody else. Everybody else is either gone and and you can call guys up who might be improvements eventually. But last night against an expansion team, which is a nice story that the Golden Knights are a good story, but they're, they're still an expansion team. You are playing six guys who just aren't that good. Now, can I go on my one rant? I've got one rant for you. Oh, by all means. And this is not... I mean, if you're going to selfishly go to the X instead of do morning updates for the good of the show... And I'm glad I did, because here is... I've got a serious rant. 
I mean, I'm PO'd about this. I'm not kidding. All right, and now Judd Zolgad rants about the sport that gives him the most joy. So last night I'm in the press box during the first period. Vegas and the Wild playing in what was a pithy, pretty boring game, all right? And it occurred to me, sportsmanship has jumped the shark in this country. Completely jumped the shark. During the first period, during a break in the action, I bleep you not, we got a video welcoming back with highlights Eric Halla and Alex Tuck. What? Welcoming no. them back. Let me give you some statistics about what these two guys okay, did. Okay, I know Eric Halla had a few postseason goals one time, but like, let me really? finish here. Sorry. Eric Halla had 42 goals and 89 points in 266 games with the Wild over four years. There are players who go at that point total in a season, okay? Alex Tuck, nice young talent, played in six regular season games as a member of the Wild, and that's it. Okay, <laughs> honest to God, and I'm not Wait, kidding. The dude played six games and got a video tribute. They got a, they gave them both. They combined it, but that's not the point. The point is this, and I, we need, this country has a lot of problems, most of which I'm not going to solve, but I'm going to solve one right now. Not every kid needs a state tournament. Not every kid needs a trophy, and not every kid needs to be told that he or she is great at what they do just because they choose to play sports. If they want to play sports, that's great. Everyone should be able to play sports, and we all should be able to pat little Johnny or Susie on the head and say, great job, now go to your room and clean it up. Not every hockey player who comes back here or anywhere in the National Hockey League who's making six figures, if not a million dollars, needs any type of welcome back or montage. Rod Carew returned to Met Stadium in 1979 as a member of the Angels after an unbelievable Hall of Fame career from 1967 to 1978 as a member of the Twins. And guess what? He was introduced, now batting for the Angels' first baseman, Rod Carew, and there was nothing else, okay? So, honest to God, when you did it for Nick Schultz and he came back with the Flyers, I said, all right, I get it, he played a long time here and y'all liked him and that's fine, although he was certainly not a remarkable player. But we're welcoming back, this is professional sports, we're welcoming back Eric Halla and Alex Tuck. And people tweeted, well, who care? I care because it's stupid. And it and, and what's wrong with this country, where this country is going totally wrong is, why do we have to tell people they're special? I think we need, I think we need, I, I, I'm with you on the video tribute. For I, I didn't think Ricky Rubio deserved a video tribute. I think there are, we need to come up with a Mackie and Judd scale of tributes, Okay. At the top would be a retirement of a jersey, right? If you if if you are one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise, or there's some other meaning, then retire your jersey. So Randy Moss, at some point, did they retire his jersey, or he's just Ring of Honor he's right just now? Just Ring of Honor, and right that's now. the second tier. Below that would be Ring of Honor. either a Ring of Honor or a Team Hall of Fame of some kind, right? I'm with you. So that uh, Dan Gladden could get into the Team Hall of Fame, but they're probably not going to retire his jersey, which is a tier above that. And then the third tier below those two things is a video tribute. And then below that, so there's a fourth level too, would be yeah. like a ceremonial puck drop or a ceremonial first pitch or like let's play hockey, whatever like the, the pregame ceremonial stuff is. And that could be almost anybody. Like you're, oh, okay, okay. That could be almost gotcha. anybody. All right. So I think if you're talking about an Eric Howla, at some point if he retires and wants to come back and do the let's play hockey thing, yep. perfectly acceptable. I, oh, no problem with that. Retirement of a jersey? No. 
Ring of Honor slash Team Hall of Fame? No. Right. Video tribute? Uh-uh. Right. Sorry. I'm out. I'm with you on this. But where this has gone into, into the infrastructure of this country is patting people on the back. Why do we need to do it? Why do we need to do it? If this place fires me today and I walk away from here, I expect nothing from this place. That's a good question. I liked working with you guys. Dave's crossing it's his fingers. Fi- it's fine. I like Brad Lane, Dan Seaman, but I don't expect any of you to do something special for me. It's been a fun little run, but it's certainly not illustrious. Uh, Dave, if Judd were to get fired today or were to move, to God, move on in radio please. free agency, in the history of, of AM 1500 KSTP and 1500 ESPN, uh, the equivalence of like retiring the microphone... Like Joe Suchere retired and, the microphone. And Patrick, right? too. I and Patrick. Say. Yes. Uh, and then there's like the, the AM 1500 KSTP Hall of Fame or Ring of Honor. Don Vogel. Sure. Yep. How about uh, that? John Hines. Hines and Berglund? Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, so there's like another Wrong level. Station, like rookie. But... Rookie, maybe. Um, okay. Video tribute or audio tribute would be third tier. And then there would just be like, hey, if there's a luncheon down the hallway, we're going to invite some people back, then, you know. Maybe you can come back. Where would Judd fit? Oh, boy. Um, I guess he'd get the security walk down. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right yeah, now. That's, that's pretty I'm good. I'm going to tell you right now. I've been a good enough employee that I don't need to be shown the door, but besides that, uh-uh, nothing. I don't even get the lunch, okay? I give oh, you, God, no, no. But that's what, I but you an I'm audio tribute. So, you deserve an audio I tribute. I am so tired for all the problems we've got in this country of people being complete bleeps to each other. Other, what I don't understand is the need—the need that we have to pat each other on the back too. Like they—they they just came back to play a game. That's I mean, it. If 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 a fourth liner and Eric Howell, yes. maybe third liner, gets a video tribute. Well, he's. Like what a, are you going to do for all the other players? Who, he's like a first or second line guy there, but that's not the point. The point is well, his not stat, here. His, no, right. His stats are unremarkable as can be. I just I don't understand it. Was he good in the room? No, not especially. He was fine. He's a nice guy, I'm sure. But no, he didn't do a thing. In Thoughts the on uh, uh, Matt and uh, Suits as a pair? Suits! I, did a, <laughs> I knew you'd pull that. Suits. I knew you'd pull that. And I, because you, of that, I did. I brought out the suits. You you spent a full segment ripping how selfish okay. and how bad of a teammate Ryan Suter is earlier this week. And now you're going to call him Suits. All suits. I know all I know is that both you guys were upset that I went to the Wild game last night and I, I didn't do the updates. Did I not deliver? No, we don't. Did for, I not deliver by things. giving you the Suits? It was a good segment. Two things, though. It's not that we like we go to go to all the games you want, but when you go into business for Judd instead of going into business for the Mackie and Judd show, that's where we call you out. Suits is for the Mackie and Judd show. That went against every fiber of my journalistic being, but I knew it'd be great. Your journalistic being. I knew it'd be great, and I knew Harrigan would use it. Uh, you blur the lines between journalism and uh, and hot Come takes on, Ma- better than anyone in the market. Come on, Max. Max. Maxie. Phil Mackey. Oh. I'm coming up with nicknames. Suits. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a stretch. It's... The Max thing is a stretch. Dave, yeah. Davey. Davey's not that good, but that's all I could because there's Harry. No... Davey. There's no real Harrigan. Mm. Harry, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, Suits. I, I, I agree. Uh, video tributes are lame unless the players rise to a oh. certain level. Eric just brought up on Twitter some news that he's probably right about that's just very disturbing to me. 
I hate to tell you this, but the Wild will be retiring Koivu's number nine jersey. He's probably right. Really? Do, do they have a team Hall of Famer or a Ring of Honor of some kind yet, or is it too early in the franchise? I think it's too it's too early. They don't have like Gabrick would be the yeah, one. They haven't done anything like that. Well, they retired yet. number one, right? Yeah. And by the way, for the fans, baby. Unreti- oh my god, unretired, unretired. <laughs> that was I hate that number. Do, do one. the Seahawks Only have night. the number twelve? Who wears number twelve? Do they have the twelfth man? I don't retired. Think it's retired. I don't think that that's, that's so retired, lame that when teams do that God. from the wild. I had you know what I I remember as a kid when uh, Major League Baseball teams like twenty years ago when they retired number forty two, and then if you wore number forty two before that you were grandfathered in. So Mariana Rivera still wore it, you know, fifteen years after. But so the, the number forty two is hanging in the rafters at at uh, the Metrodome, and some fa- there was a family behind my dad and I watching this game and just like oblivious baseball fans. And they're going through and, oh, yeah, Kirby Puckett and Ken Herbeck. And who's number 42? Is that Killebrew? (laughs) And then they looked at the jersey because they had pictures of the players. And it just had the blue DGERS of the Dodgers on the. uh, It looks like it says Badgers. He's a Badgers player. Number 42 for the Badgers. Did Rod Carew play for the Badgers? Like, oh, my God. Wow. Morons. (laughs) So. Yeah, you're probably right. Miko Koivu is probably going to get that number retired. Thanks a lot. Um, Let's talk some Vikings when we come back. In fact, let's just jump right into it. Judd's keys to a Vikings victory over the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. And later on this hour, maybe in the Keys postgame show, I want to tell you three uh, three weasons. What cartoon character am I? (laughs) The Daffy Duck? Or is that Porky Pig? You, you wascally, you, you wascally wabbit, wabbit those yeah. keys. Elmer Fudd. Uh, three reasons why the Vikings will pass their test this weekend with flying colors. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Put down the sports page and listen. On 1500 ESPN. Well, you hear that? Sounds like we're ready to unlock a vault of knowledge bombs. Here comes Judd Zolgad's keys. It's an early appearance for Judd's Keys. Judd's Keys to a Vikings win over the surging 7-4 Atlanta Falcons. Yes, this will be, I think this might uh, surpass the Rams game as the game I am now most interested to see from the Vikings this year since it's on the road. Yeah, well, uh, I th- I personally think the Rams are a better team this year than the Falcons are. The Fal- There's some fool's gold in the Falcons' recent success here, and their schedule is brutal the rest of the way. Two games against New Orleans, a game against the Vikings, and then I think there might be like a Seattle in there or something. Oh, Carolina. It's an at Carolina okay. or something. So it's just... division, And they have to jump teams. So anyways, five keys. Judd's keys to a Vikings win over the Falcons. Let's start with key number five. And bringing us the key headlines today. We like to do a lot of music. Sometimes it's newsmakers, headline uh, guys. But we're going back to music today. It's Atlanta's own Via New Jersey, Paul Simon. I can't get used to something so right. Something so right. Oh, I like that. I like that very much, Dave Harrigan. Key number five, which Paul set up perfectly. The Falcons right now, something so right is something they did last year because they've been flying high of late, boys. 34 points in back-to-back wins over the Seahawks and Tampa Bay. Three-game win streak in the first game of that streak. 27 points before that. Now here is the really interesting matchup when you get to Atlanta's surging offense versus the Vikings' very good defense. Atlanta is the NFL's best offense on third down. They are converting nearly 50% of the time. 
The Vikings have the NFL's best third down defense, enabling conversions only 28.5% of the time. This game is going to come down to third down. Key number four to a Vikings win. How long you think that you can run that body down? That is the question that Anthony Barr must answer. Devontae Freeman, the Falcons' uh, talented back, missed the past two games because of a concussion, but he has been practicing this week at full strength. Now, I'm going to introduce this. Starting with key four, I would like to thank the people at Pro Football Focus because I found a lengthy, meaty breakdown of this game. And boys, I'm going to bring some statistics to the table right now. Devontae Freeman is ninth among 51 qualifying running backs in what we like to call elusive rating. Okay. Anthony Barr. This is deep in the statistical breakdown. Deep, yes, yeah, but I mean, this is this is area that uh, the Keys has never gone before. Anthony Barr ranks 10th among 87 qualified linebackers in overall grade at hmm. 84.1. Devontae Freeman is going to probably be shadowed to a certain degree by Barr. That is going to be a very interesting matchup. Out of the statistical weeds and into key number three, Vikings win over Falcons. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. This could be bad news for the life of Riley. At least the life of Riley Reef. Did you guys know? thanks to our friends at PFF, that Riley Reef has struggled in the past three games. He has allowed nine total pressures in that time. That is the seventh most, and his pass-blocking efficiency is the tenth lowest in the league. Why is that important, you say? Adrian Claiborne is why. 18 total pressures in the past three games, the second most by an edge rusher in the National Football League. He has not posted a grade below 75 in those weeks. Riley Reef either needs to pick up his performance of late or Adrian Claiborne might cause havoc for Case Keenum. I think some regression there was expected. I mean, he went the first half of the year and allowed no sacks. And 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 when when he was signed, it wasn't like they signed a bona fide top 3 left tackle. It was like, okay, they signed someone who might be league average, who's better than TJ Clemmings. And so, if there's a blip here halfway through the season, it's not to be People shouldn't be shocked about it, I yes. guess. But it is interesting that maybe the hot streak has run out. Key number two. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Paul Simon or Xavier Rhodes at his locker yesterday? That's the only question. Xavier does have a good singing voice, I've heard. Xavier Rhodes, uh, somewhat surprisingly, but he was dealing with a calf injury. Had plenty of passes thrown his way on Thanksgiving Day by the Detroit Lions. Julio Jones will be the matchup on Sunday. He is second in the National Football League in receiving yards with 1,039. Xavier Rhodes will be counted on to slow him in what will be one of the most difficult matchups for Xavier this season. That will be very key, but... But I'm tying key two and one together. If Rhodes can slow Jones. Wait, are we on to key one here? Yes. If Rhodes. Oh, whoa, can, whoa. If Rhodes. Wait a second. Oh, He's going to make room for headlines. I'm going to. I'm going. No, I'm going to let you. I'm going to tie them together and I'm going to point at you and then we can comment. <laughs> he, listen, Keys is going Beatles Abbey Road here, baby. Keys is going next level. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of Judd in business for Judd here in the last 48 hours. Paul is dead. If you play keys backwards today, you might hear that. <laughs> so, 
Once again, if Rhodes can slow Jones, we go to key number one. Gotta hit the, the jingle. Oh. I already did, but sorry. This is not my fault. He's his. Don't you know me? I'm your ace in the hole. That's right. That's what Matt Ryan is saying, because even if Julio Jones is taken out of the game by Xavier Rhodes, Mohamed Sanu might not be. He is the Falcons slot receiver. He is their third guy. He has the 14th most yards from the slot with 323. So he will become, he will become the go-to target of Matt Ryan if Julio Jones is blanketed by Xavier Rhodes. So the ace in the hole, then. That's you could have yes. just said that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what? Just because you didn't get it, don't come back at me. Don't be mad that at me. That would have been a good bow this to is, put on the key. This is, not, this is not a Judd problem. He's operated at a level today, which you struggled with just a little bit. Uh, that is key number one. Keys might the need ace an, in the an hole. IFB in his ear so the executive producer can feed the punchline, you know, just the, uh, the, his ear. The ace in the hole is Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Atlanta, you mentioned in one of those keys, Atlanta offensively the best team on third down in the NFL. Uh, almost 50% conversions on third down. Mm-hmm. Two interesting things off that. Number one, the Vikings are right behind them offensively at 46% conversion rate on third down. The Vikings are the second best team in the NFL offensively on third down. Uh, Atlanta, the last three games, even better. They, they're 66% conversions on third downs offensively the last three games. So now they played the Buccaneers and uh, Dallas a depleted and Seattle. Dallas team. Now that's, Seattle's banged up defense, but that's still ridiculous. It is very 66. good. Yes. So those are Judd's five keys. Great Vikings win over the Falcons. With help from executive producer Dave Harrigan. Paul Simon. Was Art around or was Art out of the equation entirely? On uh, no, Art made an appearance and slip sliding away. Okay. It's good to hear Art a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit of Art, but you don't need a whole lot of Art. Uh, Art. Art Garfunkel was great. You really don't like him that much? Really, we're gonna we're gonna go down that road. We're gonna debate Art Garfunkel here I'm, at I enjoy, I enjoy we're half an hour into a forty hour sports talk show. I enjoy and you're Art's debate me about Art Garfunkel. I enjoy Art's work. <laughs> Catch twenty two. He was an actor as well. Go underrated. back to the XL Energy Center. Great voice. Great voice. All right, in the Keys post game show next, uh, I want to give you three reasons why I think the Vikings are gonna pass this difficult test with flying colors. On Sunday, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Offensively, they're very explosive. Uh, Got great receivers, runners. Offensive line plays well. Obviously, Julio Jones is a a tough matchup. And uh, and then defensively, they're very solid. Tenth in the league defense. Uh, Good defensive line. Corners are good. Got a really good safety. Um, linebackers are fast, so it'll be a good test for us this week. I think I, I, my personal opinion is I think the Rams are a better overall team this season than the Falcons. The Falcons aren't quite what they were last year. I mean, they're coming on here the last few games, but because this is a road game and because the Falcons are getting hot, this is almost certainly your biggest test of the season, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, it, if that was a road game against the Rams or or you had a road game against Philly, but because it's a road game and you might not get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, you might need to prove that you can go in and uh, win in a tough environment against a team that's that's favored in this case, if you have to go on the road to Philadelphia or somewhere else. 
uh, or maybe even New Orleans at some point in the playoffs. But I want to give you three reasons in this Judd's Keys postgame show. All right. Brought to you by... I was going to say, who's sponsoring the postgame show? Open for sponsorship. Um, three reasons why I think the Vikings are going to pass this test on Sunday. Okay. Number one, the Vikings defense is a different beast for teams that otherwise appear to be hot. So the Atlanta Falcons, best team on third down. Matt Ryan coming off an MVP season. And uh, and on that third down note, the, the, the Falcons are converting two out of every three third downs the last three weeks. So scorching hot, right? Well, let's go down the checklist. The Los Angeles Rams were the hottest offense in the NFL leading up to their game against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. They were outscoring opponents by an average margin of 25 per game in the month leading up to that Vikings game. Mm-hmm. And they were averaging 40 points per game on the road, as hot as you can possibly be until they ran into the Vikings. The Lions, multiple wins in a row going into the Thanksgiving matchup. Matthew Stafford playing well, uh, you know, playoff caliber team until they ran into the Vikings. And Stafford looked like he had never played in the NFL in the first half. And how about the Saints? Their worst game of the year came against the Vikings. Now we can say, well, yeah, but it's a different team now. I don't know. Is it just that they ran into the Vikings early in the year and they played non-Vikings teams mm-hmm. in the in the following two months worth of games? So when you think a team is hot, and this is a huge credit to Mike Zimmer's defense and the way this Vikings team has played overall. When you think a team is hot, when you think a quarterback is hot, Let's see what happens when they run into a well-prepped Mike Zimmer defense. So that's point number one. All right. Uh, reason number two why I think they'll pass this test with flying colors this weekend. Maybe not flying colors, but they'll pass the test and win the game against the Falcons. This isn't the 2016 Matt Ryan. His season last year with, you know, a great supporting cast, a great offensive coordinator, Julio Jones playing at uh, a, a career level. This isn't the same Matt Ryan you watched for five months last year. Matt Ryan's always been, for the eight years leading up to 2016, a rock-solid, fringe top-ten quarterback. A guy that you would certainly feel comfortable with as your franchise quarterback. You wouldn't just trade him for whatever's behind door number two. Mm-hmm. A little bit like Kirk Cousins the last few years with the Washington Redskins. Uh, but this season, he's kind of gone back to that fringe top-ten territory. You know, 10th in passer rating. He's on pace for... 22, 23 touchdown passes instead of the 30, 35, whatever he had last season. So he's a good, solid quarterback. I'm not trying to say that he's trash and he had a magical season last year, but he's not doing the same thing he did last year where you go in there and it's like you have no chance. Shanahan helped him a ton last year. Yep, he exploded last year. Now he's back to sort of first eight years, Matt Ryan, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And then number three, the third reason why I think the Vikings will pass this test in Atlanta on Sunday. Their defense the last couple of years against top echelon wide receivers has been really, really good. In fact, oftentimes when the Vikings decide to just key in on whoever it is, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., those guys wind up having some of the worst games of their seasons. Let me give you four examples here. Actually, maybe a fifth one too. Antonio Brown. In the month of it was late September, they played against the Steelers. Now, the Steelers won that game by 17 points, but Antonio Brown, who leads the league in yardage, receptions, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Only five catches for 62 yards in that game. This is a guy who regularly catches eight, nine, ten passes per game. Five catches for 62 yards, no touchdowns. They held Antonio Brown absolutely in check in that game. Xavier Rhodes was a large part of that. 
Mike Evans has has busted out the last few years, thirteen hundred yards last year. Uh, you know, big time performer, a top ten receiver in the NFL. Only seven catches for sixty seven yards. A dink and dunk, Mike Evans. Yep. Earlier this year, did nothing that game. Yep. Yet. When the Vikings took it to Tampa, if you hold a Mike Evans or a star receiver under ten yards per reception, that's a great job. Odell Beckham Jr. from last year. When the yep. Vikings played the Giants, three catches for 23 yards. And melted down. Yes. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald last year when the Vikings played Larry Fitz, mm-hmm. only six catches for 63 yards. So they held him in check. So, you know, 63 yards, it's it's not a breakout game. And then I'll give you, this is this is kind of a tough one because Aaron Rodgers went down in the first half, but they held Jordy Nelson to just six catches for 60 yards as well at U.S. Bank Stadium earlier this year. So Julio Jones, he's on the menu this weekend. When the Vikings decide to key in on a top wide receiver, they do a pretty good job. They do a very good job. So those are three reasons why I think the Vikings let's, will pass the test on Sunday. Let's get back to point one because your your point one is something that that we talked about with Maj yesterday a little bit, and I think we missed it completely. And part of it's because we didn't know what they did to the Rams. Okay, it came out what in the past week or two that that McVay basically has Goff stall there or they they run a quick offense so that McVay can stall a little bit to see what the defense is going to do and then McVay tells Goff here's what you have to do and Goff basically looks very smart because of that and the Rams offenses look great let's consider this i firmly believe that in the first series in the uh, Rams Vikings game that the Vikings were either taken a little bit by surprise or what McVay was trying to do worked perfectly. So Goff would Goff would wait and wait and wait. McVay would observe, see the Vikings defense, and then tell Goff, okay, do X, Y, and Z, and they went right down the field, and it looked great. And I also believe, and this is where Zim is very, very good, it's not halftime adjustments. It's literal in-game adjustments. Consider what happened after that series. To me... That's a storyline that, because we didn't know that much about it, didn't get played up. Absolutely a, a really, really interesting and probably kudos to to the Vikings for saying, okay, I know exactly what they're doing. Now, if you're, if you're the Vikings, you wouldn't brag at all because you, you might play the Rams again and there would be no reason to talk about it. But think, think about that, Phil. If you, that first series if you saw McVay basically and you're like okay he's telling Goff exactly what to do so if we confuse Goff a little bit we are going to confuse McVay as well I think that that is an underrated part of that game now in a huge way uh just like Mike Zimmer's ability to to think ahead during the chess match is that yes. basically what, yeah, yes I, I'm, yeah I'm saying he saw that first drive and said okay I see what's going on the head coach is clearly clearly getting a read on what I'm doing and so I'm not going to tip my hand but if you're if you're the Vikings post game, there, there'd be no no compelling reason to bring that that up or discuss it mm-hmm. because if you're going to play the Rams again, you're not going to say, hey, you know what we saw we saw this and and that. But I just go back to the point of yeah, I think that what Zimmer saw, he said, okay, I see what you're doing, and if I don't give you the time to react, then you can't then McVay can't call the play into golf. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the Vikings defense has turned into. Like an ace starting pitcher in the major leagues, where if you're if you're an offense or you're a, you know you're a hitter, and you look at a hitter's numbers when he faces the when he faces Corey Kluber, well they're just going to be lower, and you just have to hope to win a three to two game, and that's what the Vikings defense has become. That if you're if you're Matt Ryan and and your offense 
you know, Julio Jones racked up 200 yards receiving against Tampa, and Matt Ryan is leading the offense to 30 points per game over here. I mean, that's like, all right, you had a nice little three-game series against the White Sox after they traded Chris Sale, <laughs> yes. and you got a couple AAA pitchers who were starting in that series, and now you go face Clayton Kershaw or Corey Kluber. Yeah. And it's not that your offense can't still perform well. I mean, this is one of the best offenses in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons, and the best third-down offense, but but they're coming off. You know, they've won three games in a row. One of those wins was a game against Dallas in which Dallas was without a star left tackle, without Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, missed that game as well, and then mm-hmm. Sean Lee, the the pulse of their defense at linebacker, and Dak Prescott's not... He's a good young quarterback. He's not good enough to rise above all those things. I mean, he's working well within the infrastructure Dallas has created. So it wasn't that much of a shock that the Atlanta Falcons bounced back and won that game against a depleted Dallas team. Okay, then they went on the road against Seattle. That's a big win no matter what. But Seattle has defenders missing. You know, they put up 30, I think it was 34 points on that Seahawks team. It was. That doesn't happen with Richard Sherman and with a full allotment of defensive players. Yeah. Yep. And then last week, they put up a bunch of points on Tampa. Well, my God, like, I mean, Eden Prairie could put up points on Tampa Bay has been checked out for weeks. The Gophers could. Not Eden May, Prairie? Maybe up. Eden Prairie points. might have a better offense yeah, than the Gophers. That's a very good point. So, again, like, Atlanta's really good. And Atlanta's in the mix, and they went to a Super Bowl last year. Yep. But Atlanta's going to face one of their toughest challenges as well this weekend against the Vikings, and it's possible that they've bloated their perception off of a bad Tampa team, a depleted Dallas team. Yep. This is a team, I think this team lost to Miami, didn't they, a few weeks ago? Yes, they did. Not that long ago, like a month ago, this team lost to Miami. Yeah, they dropped three consecutive at, at one point, and I think it was, let's see if, if I can find it. Yeah, they, they lost three in a row. They lost to Buffalo, uh, the Dolphins, and then the Patriots. So nothing other than romanticizing about their 2016 season would make you think that this Falcons team should be a clear favorite over the Vikings. Yet I think they're laying three points they are right in now. this game. So well, you know, we're going to do our pick segment with Todd Furman in about an hour and 15 minutes. I said, though, if, I, if I'm the Vikings and in, in these next two games I split, I'm extremely happy. Agreed. I think if you if you win either on Sunday or a week from then against Carolina, you should be very, very pleased. In some ways, this is kind of a house money game where if the Vikings did lose, you wouldn't feel, unless they looked terrible and got boat raced in case Keenum turned into a pumpkin, then okay, then fire up the vent lines, but... If they were to lose a close, hard-fought game against the Falcons on the road, a desperate, trying-to-get-back-in-the-playoff-mix Falcons team, it wouldn't be like a, a derailing feeling no, to me. not at all. But, yeah, split the next two games and then take advantage of three very winnable games at the end of your schedule. Uh, we have a packed Friday show. Write that down, as always, in about 15 minutes at the top of the hour. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast with our Proser Joe segment at 11 o'clock. Make our NFL picks, including Vikings-Falcons. Uh, and then the superstar Mike Morris making his return to the show in the noon hour. Mackie and Judd on a game show Friday. The Mackie and Judd show rolls on. And now for the main event. On 1500 ESPN. The 1500 ESPN Sports Fantasy Auction returns Tuesday, December 12th. Presented in part by Abel Chiropractic and TCL. Listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 to bid on great experiences with all the money raised to benefit Encourage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. During the day, you'll be able to bid on and purchase items such as perhaps four tickets to a Wolves game in the TCL theater box with Mackie and Judd, plus... A 65-inch TCL TV. That's pretty good. How about one week of naming rights for the 1500 ESPN studio phone line? That's right. We will name it after you. 
A lot of good packages along with those. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword courage to see everything that we will have up for auction on the 12th. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not looking to pull him, but, uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. So uh, Chris tweets in, Judge, you, you keep saying if the, the Vikings lose one of these next two, it'll be fine. But if they lose to Carolina, will Carolina leapfrog them? Chris, the point is this. They're on a three-game road trip, right? I mean, realistically, they're not. They're probably not going to w- win out. So when I look at these next two games, I say, realistically, if you win one of the two, it's pretty good. I mean, you're playing two good teams. You beat Detroit on a short week. You beat the Rams before them. If you want to look at this, I mean, yes, ideally you you win out. Philadelphia drops a couple games, and you're in fantastic shape. I'm just trying to be realistic as possible about this, and I think if you beat Atlanta and lose to Carolina, or you or you lose to the Falcons and beat Carolina, you still should come away from that three game road trip pretty happy with how you've done. Yeah, I it, uh, this because I mean t- we could go down this path of well, let's win. They should win twelve in a row. I mean, okay, not probably not going to happen. No, this is this is classic the, the line of thinking that. Well, if they lose to Atlanta or lose to Carolina, so they're nine and two. They've shown you that they're a really good Super Bowl caliber team already. Now, are there holes that you could potentially? Yes, like we don't know what Case Keenum is going to look like in January. We, we he's never been in this situation before. A lot of these Vikings players haven't. But if you're just here to poke holes in the gap between perfection and a really good Super Bowl caliber team. I could take you through some Patriot seasons where they were clearly a dynasty and very clearly the best team in the NFL when it was all said and done and or they won a Super Bowl. Well, let's go. Let's, let's just use this season as, as an example for the Patriots, which is like that's the most established franchise in the history of the NFL the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. They got smoked in week one against Kansas City. Smoked. Yes, they were that's awful. The, that's the second time in about three years they've gotten smoked early in the year by Kansas City. They got beat by Carolina in week four this year. Mm-hmm. Sunday, October 1st, it dropped a two and two. In fact, they gave up in their first four weeks 42, 20, yep. 33, and 33 points. So, yes, like you can, you can have stretches where you lose games. Now, then, ever since then, Patriots opponents have scored 14, 17, 7, 13, 16, 8, and 17. I'm not saying the Vikings are the Patriots. I am saying that even the best franchise in the NFL has clunker games along the way that make you say, oh, well, maybe they're not quite as good as uh, as we thought they were. And I don't know. Like, they almost got beat by the Chargers a few weeks ago. But I, I just don't think that, that you can send a uh, a team on a three-game trip and say, well, I mean, they should win all. No, they shouldn't. If you win two of three, that's pretty good. And, and if the conversation uh, is, well, here's what I think. The Vikings should win out. We're the wrong station then, because <laughs> there's only one station that thinks that. I mean, it's not going to happen. They are going to now. If now, when you get through the next two games, you're in really good shape. If you go one and one, you get Cincinnati here, I believe, Green Bay there, which I think at that point in time the Packers might be just basically fried, and the Bears here. So those last three, you are in great shape. Yeah, this is headed toward thirteen and three. Yes, big but, time. But and and if the if if you do your part and finish with three losses and you get some help, that's fantastic. But if you as a fan think, well, there's no viable excuse to lose again to the Falcons or Carolina, that's just wrong. It's not true. And 
And don't don't take for granted that the Vikings also have done a very nice job of winning the games that that so far we, we've thought are going to uh, define things of late, at least. The Rams game. The Rams game is the last game that I said, let's see. If you lose that game bad, it's going to say a lot. If it's a close loss, it's going to be disappointing, but it's not going to be awful. And if you win, good for you. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay? So, and, and they won that game. And then four days after that, you go play Detroit, and I said, just win the game. I don't care how you do it. And they did. That's impressive. Uh, the the Vikings offense, man, the, the last three games here since the bye week, the Vikings offense has gone over 400 yards in every one of those games. And the Vikings defense has held opponents under 300 yards in two of those games. So, like, the yardage differences in these wins, too, road game, Detroit, home game against a hot Rams team, these aren't just squeak-by victories. These are decisive statement victories. Uh, one more quick thing here on... The quarterback situation. So Mike Zimmer, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he was asked again yesterday about why won't you, you know, why won't you just say that Case Keenum's the starter for the rest of the year? And he said, you know, because he played his cards close to the vest, but he kind of said everybody's week to week. Case is week to week. It's the NFL. Everyone's week to week. Everyone on the roster is week to week. I don't. I mean, do you really think he thinks that? Do you really think he thinks Linval Joseph is week to week? That Everson Griffin is week to week. Right, no. That you evaluate every no, week, and if Everson Griffin has a bad game, then he'll sit. No, I don't for one second. I mean, Everson that. Griffin has a lot more equity built up in the NFL. This is why I have no problem. Case Keenum doesn't have the equity built up to say that, oh my God, yes, you are the new savior of the franchise. So I'm yeah. fine with it, but I just find it funny how he keeps well, dodging the the question. As Collar wrote, the I, I think what we lose sight of sometimes is this. The only reason to come out and say that that beyond a shadow of a doubt Keenum is going to start is if he perceives problems internally. He doesn't care about us, and he shouldn't care. So if we're the ones pounding the table saying, name him the starter, why don't you name him the starter? And Keenum doesn't care, and Teddy doesn't care, and, and basically your entire team does not care, which I don't think they do, There's no compelling. there's no compelling reason to do it. And I think we get so caught up sometimes in give him the guarantee – Well, the guarantee is only necessary if you think there's internal problems. Coaches are never, and nor should they, they're not going to do something for us. And there's no reason to. Mm Mm-hmm. Like why? Why do? But like why do that? Which is funny because you know you tend to get mad about coaches that aren't being forthright to about injuries, or you you are one of the people that makes a big deal out of. Coaches lying to media. I no no no. I've told you there's two things. There's sports lies. No problem there. I get frustrated when a coach lies about something and knows he's going to look stupid. In this case, in this case, Zimmer's doing the exact right thing. What would look stupid is to say, "Damn it, Case is my guy," and then at halftime Sunday, Teddy plays. This is actually very smart. He's He's, actually being very transparent. Most coaches would lie right now. Most coaches would get so tired of being asked this question by us that they would say, Case is starting. Case is our starter, and he's going to be, and then he'd lift him. Yeah. Let's come back and give our uh, weekly predictions. Write that down and an accountability session when we come back.